Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, uh, um, just I just want to reiterate again. Is that the right way to say that? I just want to uh, just give another nudge to the congregational meeting. Uh, typically, these are not well attended, but uh, uh, I want to invite you, especially if you're a member, just to come on out. I think we're going to have a really good time tonight. Uh, and like I said, I think I said it la- last week, really bragging on God and what he's been doing in our church. So hopefully, uh, hopefully you can make it. All right. Uh, as you can see in this, oh, wait. Oh, can I start again? No. If you missed last weekend, our guest, we had a guest speaker, Phil uh, Chorlian from New Jersey. He's a vineyard pastor from New Jersey. It was an excellent talk, and, and really he talked about the value of this, of the, of, the, of the local church, and so if you missed that, make sure you get a, there's a free CD uh, uh, on the info counter, or go on our website, and you can listen to it, but uh, I, I really want uh, you to go, if you did miss it, to listen to that. All right, uh, as you can see on the screens, we're still in the series, uh, The Gospel of John, and tonight, or this morning, I'm going to be looking at uh, chapter 9, and just as a refresher, John wrote uh, this book so that we would believe, right? So that we might believe. And, and that means then uh, that this book is, is designed that if you're here today and you're not a Christian or you're checking Christianity out, and I sure hope we have people here today that are just checking Jesus out, if you will, this book was written so that you would come to a place of believing that Jesus really is who he says that he is. Or if you are a believer already, that this book is written so that uh, uh, you would be encouraged to keep on believing. And, and as we move towards chapter nine, coming off of chapter eight, Jesus is doing what he's been doing for quite a bit of this book. Is he's sort of getting under the, or not sort of, he's totally getting under the skin of the Pharisees and uh, they're not real pleased with, with uh, Jesus. And, and really uh, what we see is, is Jesus is trying to show the Pharisees uh, uh, about who God is. He's trying to teach them about who God is and what God's heart is uh, towards people, but the, the Pharisees refuse to believe. Now, this is important. The Pharisees refuse to believe that Jesus is the Son of God because he's acting in ways that they don't think God should act. Okay, and so in chapter 9, uh, he's trying to move them, and this is in your notes. Jesus is trying to move them from a place of spiritual blindness to a place of spiritual sight. And spiritual sight, another way to put that would be eyes of faith. Uh, eyes of faith look for God in all situations, especially when he's acting in ways that don't make sense. Spiritual sight believes and trusts even when we can't see what God is up to. It's something that God wants to grow in, in, in all of us. And that growth, that growth really happens, the change, we, you know, that sight comes more alive as we go through the confusing times and as we look for God in the confusing times. And I remember... Uh, back in 2008, we were just getting ready to, or we were in the process of leaving Vineyard Columbus. I'd resigned my position there. And uh, I didn't have a job lined up. So we were praying a lot and going, please God, you know, lead the way, open a door, show us what to do. And, and, uh, and during that time, we found out that there's a, a vineyard church in Phoenix, uh, Arizona, that was looking for a worship pastor. So uh, my wife Helen and I went down to Phoenix in January of 08. Let me just tell you, Phoenix in January, it's like, here I am, send me, uh, I will go, Lord. And uh, it was beautiful. And, but we went down there for interviews and, and I got to lead worship for, for a lot of different things. And, uh, and it went super well, like 
really well. And, and when we were getting ready to leave, I can remember shaking the hand of the senior pastor there and in my mind thinking, and I think we all felt this way, there was a sense of it's a done deal. And I can remember on the flight home just thinking, God, you are awesome. You've answered our prayers. Like you've, I mean, you couldn't have put it together any better. And uh, then the day comes when he told me he would call just with, you know, with their decision. And, uh, and this is sort of the way the conversation went. He said, well, as of yesterday, I was going to offer you the job. But last night, God woke me up and told me that you are not supposed to come here. And I can remember uh, standing, I was standing in my office down at Vineyard Columbus and literally it was like, you know what, you know, when your stomach drops or that, just that feeling where you go, oh, and it was, it, suddenly I just went, God, what are you doing? I mean, this, like you were this close to a total home run here, right? And, and I mean, I know you know what I'm talking about, where you've, you've been in places or in situations where it's like, God's not acting the way he's supposed to act. Well, now, 10 years later, uh, I look back and I go, actually, you're pretty smart. You know, that, like, I, I cannot imagine not being part of this. And I cannot, you know, I, I'm so glad that it, it's turned out the way that it has, but uh, that was a hard season. And it, even though it didn't make sense to me, God was totally in control Right? In that confusing time, God was totally in control and he was totally working his plans for us. Well, I know uh, that there are people here today that you're in situations or maybe someone you love, someone close to you is in a situation where uh, you would say, God's not acting the way he's supposed to act. He's not doing what I think he should be doing. And, and, and if that's you, uh, this story we're gonna look at today was written to give you spiritual sight in that situation. This story was written to help you uh, believe in God, to help you believe that even though you can't see it, help you believe and trust that even though you can't see it, that God is working in this situation. So let me pray for us and then, uh, then we'll jump into to John chapter nine. So Lord, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for, uh, uh, we'll just, that sense, Lord, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to describe it, but there's like this weight in the room that, that tunes us in, that there's something going on here beyond just our understanding. And I pray for each one this morning that you would tune us into you. Lord, I pray that because of this morning, this service, that lives would be changed, or that we would leave different because we've met with you and we've received from you. So I just, I, I just say, come be yourself. Come do what you want to do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, uh, if you want to turn your Bibles to John 9, we have Bibles at the front and the back. If you want to grab a Bible or, or the, uh, the scripture will also be on the screen. So let's start with John 9. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. It says this. <clears throat> as he went along, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. 
After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Totally makes sense. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. All right, stop there. Okay, so what I want to do this morning is I want to pull out from this story as we go through the story uh, three truths, three things that I believe God wants to uh, encourage us with. And so the first one in your notes there, the first one is God wants to change our perspective. God wants to change our perspective. And there really is a theme, obviously, in this story of sight. And, you know, the, Jesus and his disciples are walking along and they come upon this, this blind man. And as, you know, as we read further into the story, you can see that he, uh, he's also, he's a beggar. And this guy is in a, in a real hard spot in life. And the disciples look at his con- condition and they assume that he's being punished. He must be being punished for, you know, because he's blind, etc. So they ask, they turn to Jesus and they go, hey, Jesus, they're looking at this blind guy. Hey, Jesus, you know, whose fault is it? Who sinned? Whose sin caused his blindness? Was it his, you know, was it his sin? Was it his parents' sin? And, 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 and have you ever thought that, and don't raise your hand, but have you ever thought that when you looked at someone's uh, what's going on in someone's life, that, you know, whatever their plight or uh, whatever that could be. Have you ever looked at them and thought, I wonder what they did to deserve that? Or I wonder what they did to be in, in that place in their life. Have you ever thought that uh, about yourself and, and what's going on in your life? Have you ever thought, what did I do? What did I do wrong? What did I do that, you know, that I, or, or the sense of, I, am I being punished for what I did? And you know, uh, many times suffering in our lives or sometimes suffering in our lives, uh, the suffering is the consequence of our sins. I think the, the Bible makes it real clear that, that you know, God is a gracious God and, and if we're walking away from him, he's a, he's a God who goes after us and he keeps calling us away from the, you know, the dangerous things in our lives. But, but when we willingly, knowingly choose to disobey God, I think the Bible's pretty clear that there are consequences. You know, that we, that we do reap uh, what we sow. And if you're a note taker, you might want to write down Galatians 6. But, but you know, in this whole thing of suffering, I, one of the things I was thinking is that the enemy, I'll, I'll, I'll give him this. The enemy is a pro. He is a pro at jumping on our struggles. And, and what I mean is, he is a pro at when something goes wrong in your life, like uh, it, it could be sickness or you're just driving down the road and you get a flat tire, or you get up in the morning and the furnace is, has, you know, is, is out or, or you know, is broken or you fail a test or whatever. Just something, something a struggle in your life. He is a pro at, at right at the, at the right time of jumping on that and whispering in your ear, uh, you know, uh, this is happening because you did this. Or this is happening because you, you didn't do that. Sort of like Christian karma, if you will. Right, you're being punished. And in first century Jews, there was a real connection between suffering and sin. It was it was it was sort of like, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, where there's suffering, there must be sin. And if you you know think back to the book of Genesis, when you look at the covenant God made with Abraham or into Exodus, uh, the law that he gave to Moses, that in many ways the you know the, the message there is God is saying, obey and you'll be blessed. Uh, disobey and you'll be cursed. So the, for the disciples to look at this guy and ask that question, it, it's, it's really easy to understand why they would think that way. You know, whose fault, Jesus? Who messed up? 
Who blew it to cause this in this guy's life? And this is where Jesus is teaching them and and, and teaching us a whole new perspective. In verse three, he responds to that question. He says, he says, neither, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Basically, Jesus is saying he's not being punished for his sins, for his parents' sins. He's not being punished for anyone's sins, for that matter. But God is using his struggle to display the works of God. Uh, that this man's life and what God is about to do in and through him would be like a neon sign to the world pointing to the greatness of God. And, and if you're sitting here today and you know, you're in a hard place or you think back on your life and, and of hard things you've gone through, I think it would be a pretty honest response to say, or to look at what Jesus said and think, well, that's kind of cruel. That's kind of cruel. It's sort of like, oh, okay, so I'm not being punished, but I'm actually suffering so that you can look good. I mean, that's a very human response. I mean, I'm sure the blind man struggled with his plot in life. I'm sure the blind man uh, uh, would have thought, why me? Or this is unfair, or whatever thought, you know, he, I'm sure he would have struggled with his plight, but just consider this. What if you and I, as creations of God, people loved by God, people uh, precious to God, were created and given you know, so many years on planet Earth for the sole purpose of bringing glory to God? What if the primary reason that we're here would be to point others to God? What if the main reason you and I exist would be that God, in the way of his choosing, would display his works through us. And uh, Matthew 5, 16 says, Jesus said in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, I think part of our, our blindness is that we've got our wires crossed. There's something in our human condition, there's something in our flesh that, that we do want people to see our good deeds. Right? We do want people to, you know, to see our accomplishments, but then you know, in, in, we've got it backwards. We want them to glorify us. We want them to recognize us, but, but, uh, but we've forgotten why we're here. We're, we've forgotten what our purpose truly is on planet Earth. And uh, you know, this whole thing of understanding, this new perspective that Jesus is trying to teach us, I, as I was you know, studying this week, I, I thought of, you know, the, I've heard Danny tell this story many times, uh, and, and I'm sure when I say it, you'll go, oh yeah, I remember that. But just in, in addressing the struggle we have with suffering on earth, uh, Danny says it this way, wouldn't life make more sense if we started in heaven and then came to earth? I mean, that is just a, that's a great picture. Wouldn't it make more sense, all the stuff we go through in this life, wouldn't it make more sense if we started in heaven, talk about spiritual sight, if we started in the place where everything makes sense, Right, where everything, you know, like we totally get the whole plan of God. Wouldn't it more make more sense if we started there? Right, so you're in heaven and you're, you know, worshiping, you know, just all that's going on in heaven, you're playing hockey, let's be honest. And, uh, and, and God calls you off the ice and he puts his arm around your shoulder and he goes, hey, uh, I just uh, want to let you know, um, I'm sending you down to earth. I've got something for you to do. And uh, uh, I want you to know it's gonna, be, it's gonna be hard, right? I'm sending you to earth and, and you're gonna have a learning disability and you're gonna struggle all through school. 
or you're gonna have a child that has a learning disability or has a disability. And it's, it's gonna be hard. I'm sending you down to earth and you know, you're gonna get cancer and it's gonna be really hard. Right, I'm sending you down to earth and you're gonna be a Cleveland Browns fan, right? It's gonna be really hard. <laughs> right, or I'm, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> oh, is that a chair? But I'm sending you down to earth and you're gonna be born in a poverty-stricken, war-torn nation. Right, or I'm, uh, <laughs> You're gonna have depression. And for you, just to get out of bed is gonna be a major struggle. Right, on and on. I, I'm sending you down and it's, and, it's, and it's going to be hard. But here's the thing. Through it all, through it all, I'm gonna be with you every step of the way. And you're gonna struggle and it is gonna be hard, but you're gonna keep your eyes on me. And, and, and you're not gonna lose faith in me. And as you do that, people are gonna look at you. In the midst of your suffering, you're gonna be a bright light in a dark world. And people are gonna look at your, your, your perseverance. They're gonna look at the peace that's in your life in the midst of a storm. They're gonna look at, at, at a joy that doesn't make any sense in the midst of what they're going through. They're... Uh, they're gonna look at you and the way you walk this road I've given you and people, they're gonna to come to know me because of, because of you. So what do you think? And you look at Jesus and you go, but then I get to come back here, right? He goes, yeah, you do. And then you're like, yeah, I'm in. Let's, let's do it. See, that is the kind of perspective. That is the new perspective God wants to grow in us. Because one day we will get to heaven and we will look back on our lives and we'll go, now I get it. And considering our time on earth to eternity, it's like, oh, I'd do it again. I'd do it again for the glory it's given to you. And, and here's the thing about growing in this perspective. There are no shortcuts. You gotta walk the road that he's given to you to walk. But the way we grow in this perspective, it's daily choosing to, to put aside our perspective, what we see, what we think, what we understand, and then choosing to, really it's like trying on uh, this new perspective, God's perspective, this perspective of faith. And here, this is a biblical principle. The more we look for God, he said, if you look for me, you're gonna find me. And so that's the new perspective he's trying to teach us. So Jesus, you know, he, he, uh, he spits on the ground, he makes mud, he rubs it on the guy's eyes, the guy goes and washes it off and voila, uh, he can see. And that leads us to number two in our notes. The second truth is this, God wants us to be empowered witnesses. God wants us to be empowered witnesses. So <clears throat> the blind man is no longer the blind man, he gets healed. And you know, the people in his neighborhood are like, obviously it just sparks a big, whoa, what's going on? And, and people are looking at him going, I think it's the guy that was blind. I mean, I don't know, does he look, you know? And there's this whole thing going on and the, and the people realize something supernatural, God has done something. 
And so they, they take the guys, they go to the, you know, the, the God experts. They take him to the Pharisees. Like, hey, look at what just happened. And so the Pharisees, they start questioning him. And they're like, how? Their big question is how? How is this possible? How is this possible that, you know, that you're healed? Because only God could heal blind eyes. And this guy, Jesus, we know, again, he's not acting. In their view, God, Jesus just would not act the way they thought God should act. And he's not acting or doing what God would do because he healed you on the Sabbath. He broke the law. And, and so they don't believe what this guy is saying. And they bring his parents in. I'm just paraphrasing the story they bring his parents in and they start grilling his parents and 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 they're really afraid of the pharisees because think about it the pharisees these you know they're the religious leaders they have the power to boot you out of the temple you know they sort of close the doors you know uh to the place of worship to the place where we go and meet with God. That's authority. And so they're afraid and they say, look, he's old enough. He's moved out of our basement. He, uh, talk to him. He can speak for himself. And so they bring the guy back in to, te- uh, you know, to test him again and to ask questions. And in verse 24, it says this. It says, a second time, they summon the man who had been blind and they say, give glory to God by telling the truth. And that's like a swearing in, right? And the thing that's ironic about what they're saying is, he is giving glory to God by telling the truth, but they say that, and you know, we know this man, this Jesus is a sinner, and he replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelled of elderberries. I think that's the paraphrase. And so he said, "Uh, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. So again, God wants to make us empowered witnesses. And one of the ways that, God, that God's works are displayed through you and I is when we share with others what God has done for us. Right? When we share with others where God has met us. And, and, and it may be in a, in a place of, of, of him meeting us in the suffering, suffering encouraging us in the suffering. Or, you know, or it may be like the blind man, life is really good. I mean, you're in a really good place. You know, I, I was thinking about a lot of the talks we do. We tend to focus a lot on the struggle, right? We, we focus a lot on the hard stuff of life. And I think that's, that's good because there's so much struggle in life. But, but I also know that there are people in the room right now that you are like, uh, life is really good. And there's lots of hope and faith and, and a strong sense of purpose. And so what I'm saying to you then is, is you too, you need to tell someone. You need to tell someone just what's going on in your life. And what I mean is the Bible calls this uh, being his witnesses. And aren't you glad that in what God has, has called, sort of the job description God's given us, that we aren't, we're called to be his witnesses, we're not called to be his lawyers, right? We're not called to, exp- we're not called to explain everything. And, and what I mean is the Pharisees wanted to know how, how? Tell us how this happened. And the, and the man's response basically, other than just retelling the story, his response was pretty much, 
I don't know. Like I barely know who did it, let alone how it happened. And, and uh, you know, I'm so glad that, that in his story, I mean, basically what he's saying, I don't know how it happened. I can't explain how it, how it happened, but what I do know is this. I was blind, but now I see. And I love that about what God has invited us into is that he hasn't called us to explain. He's just called us to, to just tell others what he has done. And I think one of the, I mean, wouldn't you agree with this? I think one of the biggest hurdles, uh, when, like now when I'm talking about being a witness or another word would be you know, evangelizing, sharing your faith, I think one of the, the big reasons why we all get a little uncomfortable and nervous when it comes to that is, is that we do, uh, uh, is that we think we need to be able to explain everything God does. Or at least we need to be able to answer every question that person has. But that's not what God has called us to. I mean, I think it is important, and I think the Bible teaches lots that we can learn to explain, but, <clears throat> but a witness that's called on the stand, a witness isn't called to conjecture, meaning a witness isn't called to give their opinion, or a witness is called to just tell what happened, right? What, what did you see? What did you experience? And, and, and I remember, that's years ago now, but when I was, when I was 18, I was... Uh, hitchhiking around New Zealand, and uh, it was an awesome time in my life. Uh, one, because I was in New Zealand, which is uh, 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 heaven on earth in many ways. Uh, I was, but I was traveling around with a couple hobbits, and we. Uh, it was a sweet time because God was becoming very real to me in that time of my life. Just, uh, just so many ways He was He was sort of revealing Himself. And one evening, there was a little. Uh, town I was staying in and they had a it was a Sunday night they had an evening service and I went to this church and I remember at the end of the service and, and it was weird to me but at the end of the service they invited sick people forward you know and really what, what we do a lot of our services they invited sick people forward and they laid hands on them and they prayed for them and again it wasn't what I was used to and it was kind of weird but but I remember when I got home I was getting ready to go to sleep at the place where I was staying and I can remember sitting on the bed getting ready to, you know, uh, turn out the lights and I, this thought kind of went floating through my mind and the thought was, hey, why don't you pray for your mom's arthritis? And my mother, uh, at the time, she had uh, chronic, very painful arthritis in one of her wrists. And I remember thinking, oh, God, I've never done that. I've never prayed for someone to get healed. And I thought, well, why not? I mean, and so I, and, and I thought, well, they laid hands. So I remember I grabbed my wrist and I would have just said a real simple prayer, you know, God, please heal mom's, uh, mom's wrist. And so then days later, I was talking to my parents on the phone. And in those days, it probably was an expensive collect call, if you remember what that is. Uh, and I was probably asking for money. But, uh, but I shared the story with them, what, what I just shared with you. And on the phone, my mom got really excited. And she said, oh, you know, right around the time I was praying in New Zealand, she woke up in Canada. She woke up and she realized there's no pain in my wrist. And, you know, a few days ago I called her because I wanted to verify. And she's now 82 years old and she has never had pain in that wrist again from that day, which is awesome. Now, how do you explain that? I mean, I don't know how you explain that. I guess you could, you know... Uh, uh, 
you could talk about the, this, the love of God, the power of God. You could talk about how God wants to do a lot of his work through us. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why we do pray for the sick and pray for each other when we gather. And I hope if you're a small group leader that you're praying for people in your small group. Or, you know, it's one of the reasons why we're looking for opportunities as we go about our lives, as God points us to someone that we'll, we'll pray for them. But, but you can't explain that. You just, you just, you just tell it. And God loves to use that to bring glory to himself. And, you know, you may be sitting there thinking, yeah, but uh, I don't have a cool story like that. Well, let me give you uh, two things. One would be, well, uh, why don't you start praying for the sick? Why don't you start praying for people? You know, and, and, and I promise you, if you start doing that, you're gonna get lots of stories to share with other people and, and if you're like, you know, if that's something totally, noty, totally new to you, next time we do our five-step prayer equip class, take the class or every service when you're here, when we call people up, just go stand beside someone, right? You start praying, you'll get stories. It's like, I've never won the lottery. Well, then you, you need to buy a ticket and I'm not, I'm not encouraging wasting your money on the lottery. I'm just making a point. So that's number one. Number two is this. In this whole thing of you know, having stuff to, sh- to, to tell others, to be a witness, take some time, uh, even you know, in, these, in these 40 days of prayer and fasting, take some time to get quiet and just think about who Jesus is. Just, just close your eyes and start thinking about Jesus. Think about who he is and then think about, ask yourself this question. What difference does it make in my life? What difference does Jesus make in my life? Just think about that. Think in your day-to-day life and then, and, then, and then share that. I mean, it really is pretty simple. And what I mean is I, a couple weeks ago, I was getting my hair cut <clears throat> and this whole thing of being a witness, I'm trying to grow in and I'm looking for opportunities because you know what I've come to realize? I am not obeying what Jesus told me to do. I am not doing the Great Commission, right? He said to go Go and tell, not just preach on Sunday morning in front of Christians. Get out there and tell, be a witness. And I realize I'm not doing that. So I'm looking for opportunities and, and, uh, and, and opportunities to naturally talk about Jesus. Not, you know what I mean? Get a big placard and walk around. Uh, but this lady, you know, she, she, she's cutting my hair and, and she's talking and, you know, conversation's sort of flowing and she just starts to talk about some some really stressful things, some things that she's anxious about. And I'm sitting there listening to her and I'm thinking, I'm asking that question, what difference does Jesus make in my life? And, and I just said to her, you know, when she took a breath, I jumped in and I said, uh, wow, I can relate to you. I really, man, I, there's times I get real anxious and, and I don't know what you believe about God and I mean, you're the one with the scissors, but, uh, uh, but when I get really anxious, I talk to God, and a lot of times I talk out loud to God, and I, and I kind of picture the things that I'm worried about, and I, and I just see myself handing them over to him, and a lot of times when I talk to God, uh, not all the time, but a lot of times when, when I do that, it's like this warmth comes into my heart, and there's a peace, and it's like that storm of anxiety just settles down, and sometimes when I talk to him, uh, a thought will come into my mind about the situation, and it will really help. Now, you don't, need a, you don't need to go to seminary to give an answer like that, do you? You just need to talk about you know, the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. It's, it's, 
it's being a witness. And let me say one last thing about this. Is, is God wants us to be, not just to be witnesses, he, he has, uh, wants us to be empowered witnesses. And what I love about this thing that God's invited us into, he has promised and he has provided for us to be empowered. He is the fuel, the spirit of God is the fuel in our witness motor, if you will. Our job is, rah, 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 is to turn that motor on, but he has promised to empower our witness. Jesus said this in, in Acts 1. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I mean, think about the story we've been going through. This guy is a totally uneducated, former blind beggar. And he is now standing before the incredibly educated, uh, you know, leaders, spirit, you know, spiritual leaders of his day. It's like walking into the Vatican before the Pope, right? He is standing before them. And let me just go back and reread uh, verse 30. The, you know, here's the man's response to the Pharisees questioning. He's like, you know, the man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. I mean, listen to that boldness. Remember, this is just like a nobody saying all this. And again, they response, steeped in birth, how dare you? And you can hear the arrogance. And then they threw him out. And so I say that to say this. Who is God nudging you to go to? Right, who is God bringing to mind? Who is that, that person that maybe it's been over the last few weeks or months or maybe even years that he has been going, I want you to go. I want you to go and talk to that person. I want you to go and share to that person. Or, or maybe he's not sending you to a person. Maybe he's sending you to a nation. Like do we have missionaries in this room? God's promise to you and I is that as we start the witness motor, as we step out with, with, with what we have to share, God's promise is that he will empower our witness. So, number three, let's end off with this. Number three is this. God wants to give us himself, not just experiences. <clears throat> Verse 35 says this. It says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Well, who is he, sir, the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Now you look at this story and you go, um, that's tough for this, this man that he's been thrown out of the, you know, out of the, the church, basically, if you will, the synagogue. He's been thrown out of the place of worship and, and learning, and, and, uh, and that's tough. But, but I also go, but he can see. So no pun intended, but this guy's life is really looking up. I mean, his life has dramatically changed. I mean, this is a huge positive change in his life. And I'm, I just try to, you know, think of Jesus. And, you know, Jesus could have just let him go on his way. I mean, he's gonna, his life has radically changed now. But here's what Jesus knows, is that Jesus didn't just come to make our lives better, right? He didn't just come with us through healing or provision or whatever. Jesus knows that, that, that this, the deal's not fully done because Jesus knows that what every human being was made for is not just to get a touch from God. Every human being was made to be in a relationship with God. And so what does he do? He hears that he's been thrown out and then I love this. 
Basically, it says Jesus goes and looks for him. Jesus, I mean, next week, JT's gonna be looking at chapter 10 where Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd and what a great example. The guy's been thrown out and Jesus goes and he, and he, and he looks for this guy and, and it's like, and then Jesus calls him beyond the gift that he's received into a relationship with the giver. So he, you know, he, he comes to the man and he, and, he, and he goes up to him and he says, hey, do you believe in the son, in the son of man? And the guy's response, I love his response, well, I don't know who he is. I mean, who is he, sir? Tell me who he is and then I will believe. And I was, when I read that, I was thinking about Billy Graham. What, a, what an awesome life. What a, you know, uh, Billy Graham died last week and one of Billy Graham's quotes, this is a part of a quote, Billy Graham said uh, that you, as followers of Jesus, you're the only Bible most people are gonna read. Your life, your witness. And just think of that, as, as God is drawing your neighbor or someone to himself and they've got that question like this man, well, who is he? I don't know who he is. Your witness, what you share about how, you know, the difference Jesus makes in your life, you help answer that question for the person of who he is. And so this guy's like, uh, who is he? Tell me, because I do want to believe. I want to believe. And you know what jumped out at me as I thought, he's standing, where with, he's standing right there with Jesus, but he doesn't know who Jesus is. And what I mean is, last time he met Jesus, he was blind. He's never seen Jesus before. You know, I don't know, you know, a lot of time when you, you, when you lose one of your senses, the other ones get, you know, more into, you know, uh, you know what I mean, more heightened, thank you, 10 church points. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, maybe he, maybe he recognized the voice, but he's standing there in front of Jesus, and in verse 37, Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And you know, again, this is happening, this is probably in a public place, and, when, and that word there, worshiped him. It's a Greek word, proskuneo, and it, and it means to do reverence to, to kiss. I mean, that is intimate. And who, was he on his knees with his arms around Jesus? Just, I believe. Was he weeping? I mean, what a, what a spectacle. And what, what stands out to me is Jesus didn't stop him. Jesus let him, and I wonder, and this is where my mind goes, is Jesus, you know, looking at this man goes, did he go, finally, someone gets it? You know, finally, this is the right response. And, 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 and why I point to this is that this is the place that God wants to bring all of us to, is that you and I, whatever goes on in our lives, whether it's going the way we plan, whether or not, you know, God is acting the way that we think he should act, that you and I would come to a place on our knees you know, arms around Jesus and saying, Lord, I believe. I believe. Even when things aren't going the way I thought, even when, when you know, things don't make sense, Lord, I believe. You know, because Jesus wants to give us himself not just experiences because this is the reality of life. Jesus never promised that, like the man in the story, that we'll all get healed. He never promised that, did he? He never promised that the giver would give us Every, anything and everything we wanted. He didn't promise that. But what he did promise is that he would always be with us. You know, the, the pillar of our faith, the strength of our faith is knowing that God is always with us. John 17, three, Jesus says, now this is eternal life. I mean, you, you know, like this is true life. This is what we were made for, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you and sent. This is eternal life. This is what we are made for. Not that everything works out the way we want it to, but that we would know him. And, that, and with our eyes focused on him, 
That would be the strength. That would be the faith builder that would carry us through our lives this side of heaven. So why don't we all stand up? We'll end off there. Let's just, uh, just quiet ourselves, close our eyes. Come, Lord. I just love the truth and I love the thought that as I've been talking all through this morning, you have been working in this room. You've been working the room, Jesus. And I believe that there there are people here today that uh, maybe you've never started a relationship with Jesus or maybe you've been far away from Jesus and this morning, it's, it's like what happened to the man in the story. You know, Jesus went and found him and, and, and got face to face with him and, and invited him into a relationship of believing in Jesus. And I believe there are people here today that Jesus, this morning, he has found you. He has pursued you this morning. And I, I just, I pray right now, Lord, that you would, uh, I just see Jesus just grabbing on the people in this room and I pray if that's you, I just encourage you. What I, you know, what I love about entering into a, uh, entering into a relationship with Jesus, it's, it's, it's just, it's the same way you start any relationship. There's, there's like an introduction. And I would just encourage you, you know, if that's you, just to pray this with me, that Jesus, uh, I have a lot of questions about you, but, but I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to get to know you more. And so I just, sort of like I extend my hand to you and I just invite you. I invite you into my life. Uh, and just like the man in the story, I pray that you would open my eyes to who you are. I pray that you would open my eyes to, to my purpose. I pray that you would give me a new perspective on life and why I'm here. And, and uh, let me just say, and you can open your eyes, let me just say, if that's you, if you prayed that, after the service, I'm gonna be in the visitor's welcome and uh, I would love to talk with you. So let me just, you know, for, that, for those people, I wanna invite you back after the service, but for the rest of you, uh, here's what I wanna call people forward for, uh, for prayer. <clears throat> and I really, <clears throat> excuse me, I really, I really, this week as I was praying, I have a sense that God wants to impart something to us, like, and really, I believe that that it, it's it's going to be a powerful thing. And what I mean is this: I really believe that uh, that God wants to empower people to be evangelists. And and th- and that word maybe has some negative connotations. So let me just say this: God, there are people here today that you, I sort of see you. You you have so much to tell others. It's like you're walking. You've got loads of stuff to share with other people about the difference Jesus makes in your life, but there's a hurdle of fear in front of you. And the, and the hurdle is, I, you know, what if I don't say it the right way? Or what if, or what if? And I believe there's, there's a group of people that, that God wants to remove the fear. He wants to remove the hurdle. And he's just gonna, you know, it's to open that door for you to, to start sharing that stuff. So that's one group we wanna pray for. Another group is, and again, it's in the same area of, of witnessing and all these things. There are people here today, God wants to give you a burden for the lost. 
that, that, that you're gonna look, because of today, because of the prayer you receive, you're gonna see people in your family differently. You're gonna see your neighbors differently, your workmates. You're gonna see, you're gonna have the eyes of Jesus for people. So that's, that's a couple groups. And then finally, we wanna pray for the sick today. God is a healer. And so we, we, if you have arthritis, we wanna pray for you. Now, if you have any sickness, whether it's pain, physical, emotional, whatever it is, we wanna call you forward uh, for prayer. So uh, Naomi is going to beautifully lead us in a song. Um, and so come on up for prayer. Let's make sure someone comes up to pray for someone. And if you have never prayed for someone, but you're curious, just walk up and join with someone else who's praying. Uh, guys for guys, gals for gals. But if you aren't coming up for prayer, uh, make sure you sing along and then I'll, I'll end off the service. So come on up, we'll pray. So let's make sure. Yeah, I think we're covered now. Okay. On and on and on and on it goes. It overwhelms and satisfies my soul. And I never ever have to be.
thank you so much for your presence and we do just like we're singing we thank you for your love that makes all the difference to know that your love never fails your love is not conditional but I pray that there I just uh, I thank you for and I bless all the ways you're coming close right now all the ways you're loving on people through healing through uh, giving some of your heart into other people's hearts to uh, removing fear and just uh, being our powerful loving father Lord, I thank you for each person here. I thank you that everyone in this room was made by you. Everyone in this room was made for your glory. Everyone in this room has a story, has something to share. And so I pray that you would uh, just teach us how to do that, Lord, uh, that we would be empowered witnesses. So we thank you uh, again for your presence. We thank you for this time. And uh, we just thank you for the privilege of belonging to you. In Jesus' name, amen.